Hey, welcome back to another edition of Small Business Chronicles. Today, I am here with Wayne Mullins of Ugly Mug Marketing, and we're going to kind of do, and we're going to get down to a nitty gritty. Um, I don't, I don't really want to bash anybody. That's not what this show is going to be about. But in the world that we live in, here in the United States, it is easier than ever, absolutely easier than ever, to own your own business, to be an entrepreneur, to to bootstrap a business. Uh, you need a little bit of internet and a product, and you're an entrepreneur. But the downside of entrepreneurship, the side people don't tell you about, you look at streamers, influencers, business coaches, businessmen, secondary business-to-business people, they, they're, they're trying to tell you how wonderful entrepreneurship is, and it is. It absolutely comes with the freedom to be your own boss. It comes with the ability to do what you want to do. It, it, there's a ton of upsides. But unfortunately in sales, and a lot of these books that you read or a lot of these podcasts you watch and listen to aren't going to take you through the downside of entrepreneurship. They don't want you to know how awful at times it can be. So Wayne, welcome to the show. Uh, I, I really, I love being positive and upbeat, so I don't want anybody to take this subject as not positive and upbeat. So my first two questions to every guest is, please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about, little bit about you, and also why should we trust you uh, in this conversation? Absolutely. So thanks again, Ryan, for the opportunity to come and share. Um, so just a quick overview of me. My background is actually in sales. I love selling Thanks to Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar is originally the one who got me hooked on sales. He had phenomenal training programs on selling, um, sales conversations, sales closing techniques. So if you're not familiar with Zig Ziglar, go, go look him up, look at some of his stuff. He's a phenomenal trainer. Um, but my background started in sales. And one of these interesting things happened, Ryan, in that as I developed myself as a salesperson and got better and better at this thing called selling, um, which was partly learning how to deal with a lot of rejection, what happened was I noticed that the amount of revenue that I was making for the company I was working for kept increasing and my commissions, they were increasing, but not at the same rate of the revenue I was generating for the company, right? So this gap kept getting bigger and bigger. And as a result of that gap, getting larger and larger between what I was making for the company versus what I was bringing home, I had this dangerous thought, what if I left this corporate sales job and went and did something on my own. And as they say, that one, that one little thought turned into what is now a right out of 20 year entrepreneurial journey. So about 20 years without a paycheck from anyone outside of the customers, the clients that my businesses have served over those years. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Cause 20 years is a long time. Uh, one of the common phrases I say is strap that, strap that entrepreneurial bag to your back and start walking up that hill because that bag can be heavy. And, and tell us why you separated. You, you, you have a job, you have security, you have a paycheck, maybe some health insurance. So, so what made that the thing in your mind to go, let's jump off this cliff, let's strap this to your back. And yeah, I would that think, bag. um, you know, part of that was, um, you know, this whole idea that, the future could be brighter. The future could be better. In many ways, I was sold, at least myself, I'd sold myself on this idea that if I took my skills, which my ability to sell and went and sold something for myself, the upside was unlimited, right? There was no cap on the commission. There was no cap on what I could possibly do. So like so many people, I think that was the lure to this entrepreneurship journey for me. It was the 
upside. And in hindsight, what I've learned is that, you know, very often when people pursue an entrepreneurial journey, there's a difference in the type of freedom that we pursue. So there's two different types. There's freedom from, and there's freedom to. So very often when people jump into the entrepreneurial world, what I think happens is they want freedom from. In other words, they want freedom from the boss telling them when to show up. They want freedom from the structures and all the rules and regulations and all the things that maybe you know go kind of against their personality or who they are. The other side of that is freedom to. So freedom to be your own boss, freedom to make your own decisions, freedom to all of these things. Now, with either one of those types of freedoms, you know, we've all heard the saying that with increased freedom comes increased responsibility. The problem is when we're jumping in and we're running away from, right, where we want freedom from, we often don't do enough due diligence to really understand what are those increased responsibilities that come along with this step, with this next step of faith that I'm taking. Uh, and, and that also what comes with that is a lot of fear too. You you have that freedom and you have that mixed with fear uh, and, and the due diligence. What were some of the things that you put into place as you took that step onto entrepreneurship as your due diligence? What were the things that you looked the at? The honest answer, Ryan, is nothing. I walked away from a an eight to five <laughs> Monday through Friday corporate sales job all the benefits, making really good money. You know, my wife and I lived in a nice house. We had, you know, vehicle, we had all, all the nice things. Um, and the first venture that I went into was nothing sexy. It was a lawn and landscape company, which I started from scratch. Um, I'm in Louisiana, which, you know, the, the grass cutting season here is about nine months a year. So it's an extended period, but I left that job, went into that particular business and over the course of a three-year period, grew that into a very sizable company, which I then was able to sell. And I wish I could tell you that, you know, I'd taken all the necessary precautions. I'd, you know, done a bunch of due diligence, um, but I hadn't. As a matter of fact, I'd actually gotten some advice from a really successful entrepreneur before I made that jump. And he warned me, he said, one of the biggest problems you're going to have with that particular business is there's no barrier to entry. In other words, anyone with a pickup truck and a lawnmower can be your competitor. And I dismissed that advice and decided to lunge forward, move forward with the lawn and landscape company. And again, it was successful. I grew it and I was able to sell it three years later. But the amount of time, energy, and effort that I poured into that business and what I actually was able to sell it for was very small compared to if I'd gone into a different business, different industry with a larger or a bigger barrier to entry, right? Where there's not as many competitors. So because of ignoring that one piece of advice, I probably cost myself, you know, a multiple of probably 10x in terms of what I could have exited a different type of business from. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to stop there and I want to talk about that barrier to entry because that's a big thing that I found out. Uh, to, to share an experience here, I, I started my marketing career in graphic design. And this was a few years ago or whatever, but I didn't realize how many graphic designers there were. And, and today it's the same thing because you're a marketing guy, I'm a marketing guy. That barrier to entry when you start uh, entrepreneurship, it's good to look around. Your mind goes, hey, that's a good idea. Everybody's doing it. So that's a good thing that I should be doing. That's actually the opposite. You need to find the thing in entrepreneurship that nobody is doing in that gap you can feel. Phil, 
I mean, you you can do similar things. Don't get me wrong; it's not what I'm saying. But when you're like you said, a lawn service, uh, gra- a low end graphic designer, low end meaning simple logos, flyers, posters, stuff like that. Even even at this point, video editing, all that, you have to look around as an entrepreneur and see what your competition is. Because let's say I wanted to do a beverage. Let's say I wanted to do a, a Coca-Cola type beverage that I'm taking on a behemoth. I'm taking on this huge thing. And, and that's a problem. But I think when we turn that the other way and we look at all these single people, all these single households that are side hustling out marketing or lawnscaping or whatever, how big of that market do they actually own? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs walk in there not yeah, understanding. I completely that. agree with that. Um, and that is, you know, in the interim, right? Whenever I had that business, growing that business, I mean, we did fine, made good money. I was able to sell the business, make money selling the business. Mm-hmm. But if I look at that time as an actual investment, so when we think entrepreneurship, oftentimes we think of, freedom to do all these things. But if we really transition that thought into business ownership and we view our businesses as an asset, something that grows in value over time, something that at some point we could choose to exit if we wanted to, right? That business wasn't a very good business to invest those three years of my life into because in terms of ROI, yeah, I made money on it. But if I invested that three years into something with a higher, bigger, larger barrier to entry, I would have made, again, a multiple, probably at least 10x what I made. Uh, so so continue on with the story. Now that you've done and you learned your lesson about barrier to entry and you sold this one, now you're moving on to your next business. Sure. So as a result of growing that lawn and landscape company, um, I started having people come to me. So again, we're in a small town, population under 50,000. I started having customers of the lawn care company who were mostly commercial clients come to me saying, how are you growing this lawn care company so quickly? Because over the course of three years, I went from just me to within three years, had multiple crews. We were, I don't know if we were the largest, but close to the largest in our region in terms of what we did. So multiple crews, multiple vehicles, logos everywhere. Um, and so the, the questions started coming in. How are you growing? What are you doing? And the answer always centered around our approach to marketing, the way that we were marketing that particular business. And out of those conversations, initially just casual conversations with clients of the lawn care company, they turned into consulting uh, projects where I was helping them actually build out marketing campaigns, marketing systems. And then that transitioned ultimately into this idea of starting Ugly Mug Marketing. So as, so how did, what was the moment, like, because they're asking you about marketing, they're asking you to help build this marketing, but what was the moment where you're like, maybe I'm good at this? Did I'm guessing you didn't go into lawn care as a marketer, or maybe you did. Yeah. So my degree is actually in marketing. Um, Marketing and sales has always been a passion of mine. I've just really loved and enjoyed studying, you know, human psychology, the way that people make buying decisions. Um, marketing, in my opinion, is nothing more than human psychology and math, right? Human psychology in terms of persuading people to pay attention to you, persuading people to make buying decisions. And then math, because at the end of the day, if you're not holding every single dollar accountable, you're not really marketing. You're just throwing money and hoping it works. So for me, it was this whole idea of Yes, it was a a lawn and landscape company, but I really viewed it. And my role was chief marketing officer. That's the way I viewed my role, chief marketing officer, because I knew that was what was going to fuel the growth of that particular business. 
so as a lawn care, because because this is what I want to go back to the ugly side or the not so cool side of entrepreneurship. When you say you started a lawn care business, you're educated, you're you you're in marketing, you're doing this. When you say you started a lawn care business of just you, you're out doing the weed eating, you're doing the mowing, you're doing the lawn care to start your business. So that kind of goes into the work. You you left an eight to five. I'm guessing office corporate job to go play in the grass. Uh, how big of a step? And at any time was it, cause I've been to Louisiana and it is hot at times and sweaty and nasty at was any time where you like, I've done the wrong thing. I've, I've, th this yeah, is absolutely. not where I want. I mean, you know, you're right. Louisiana in the summertime is a miserable place to be particularly outside. Um, so you know, my friends, my family, they didn't understand why I would leave air conditioning comfortable to do this thing. And you're right. I was out in the field for probably roughly the first year. It was, you know, me, then me and a helper, but I was out cutting the grass. I was doing the weeding. I was doing the landscaping. I was doing all those things. And it was very difficult because not only was I having to do the things, right? But I was also having to attempt to grow the business, put the structures and the processes and the systems in place because my goal wasn't for me to be in the truck or on the mower every day. My goal was to build multiple teams, multiple um, you know crews that were out in the field. So um, in hindsight and from the outside, it, it looks very easy as it often does with business. It looks like, oh, well, you know, it's this linear path and everything seems to work out. But it, it doesn't take into account the fact that, you know, most of my weekends that first year were spent cutting grass. Um, most of Sundays were spent not cutting grass, but doing invoices and scheduling for the next week and paying bills and all those kind of things. So it, I went from an eight to five, you know, sales job that I was relatively good at by the time I left to a place where I'm on call all the time. And I'm working from sun up literally to sundown most days in order to secure the growth of that company. Oh, what, why didn't you give up? Because this is a one thing of, of the, the bad part of entrepreneurship I don't think everybody actually sees and, and deals with is it's the same thing no matter what vein you go into. The people that made it a lot of times weren't the most talented. They, they weren't the best at it. They were the ones that just didn't give up. So what was it about you that when you got pushed to that brink or you did that, you have those awful days, you're sore, you're tired, you're hot, you're sunburnt. You don't think this is for you. What was it that made you not give up? Because that's some pretty miserable stuff to go through and still yeah, keep going. Yeah, I would going. say, you know, by default, I tend to be very stubborn. Um, that's number one. So just, you know, the stubbornness of getting up and doing it again, um, not willing to quit, you know, not willing to quit myself. The other was, you know, I really, at that point, had a lot of people to prove wrong, meaning I had so many people who thought this was a stupid idea that, you know, I've got a college degree and here I am sitting out on a lawnmower in the heat doing this day in and day out. And so not that they wanted me to fail or, you know, they didn't wish the best for me, but they just thought it was crazy, right? Why would you do this? And so I had this path. I had this plan of where I was attempting to go with the company, what I was attempting to accomplish. And so that vision for the future is what helped drive me through those days when I did want to quit because I knew that I wasn't just building you know, a source of income for me, but I was actually building an actual business that can be sold. Uh, so after the lawn care, after we did this, and like I said, you didn't give up and, and you got into the marketing thing. Um, 
uh, what were some of the setbacks? What are some of the, because uh, that's what we're exploring. What are some of the things you feel other entrepreneurs should know before they become an entrepreneur? Because that's from your personal experiences. What have you either seen other people go through? What else have you went through that, that you're kind of letting people know this is what you're going to go through. And these are the obstacles you're going to have to overcome. And it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a motivational speech. It's not a book. It's not a cutesy story. It might become one, but these are real things you're going to have to be. Yeah. What I would say is that, you know, we live in this society, as you kind of said, when you, when you open up the podcast today is that we live in a society that kind of glamorizes entrepreneurship and business ownership. And we look at the magazines, we see the successful entrepreneurs, we read the headlines that say, you know, from zero to X millions of dollars in only two years or, or whatever. And, you know, so we, in the back of our heads, think that that is going to be our path. That is going to be our journey. And in reality is, for most of us, 99.9% .9 of us in the entrepreneur space, that is not going to be the case. That is not what we are going to end up doing. And I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. I don't want to, you know, throw water on someone's excitement and fire. But the reality is, when it comes to entrepreneurship, if you have experience in you know, a corporate job or you've worked for someone else and you think of all the miserable things that you experience in that job, right? The boss who's overly demanding or, you know, the expectations that are unrealistic, all those things. When you become an entrepreneur, you actually work for the worst person in the world, which is yourself, right? So <laughs> we are yes. our own worst enemies as entrepreneurs. And there's no turnoff valve, right? At work, we can shut things off. We can turn things off, but it, it doesn't work that way in the entrepreneurship world. Everything is our responsibility at the end of the day. So right now in the agency, Ugly Mug Marketing, you know, I've got 13 full-time employees, a couple of part-time employees, and we have on average somewhere around 120 clients at any given point in time. Now, here's the thing. I've never even talked to the vast majority of these clients. But I am responsible for every single interaction that takes place with every single one of those clients every single day. I am responsible for the employee who doesn't respond to an email. I am responsible for the text that goes on a website or on a social media post that has a typo. Now, I may have never looked at it. I may have never touched it. I may never have seen it. But at the end of the day, that responsibility falls on my shoulders. And that's my responsibility. The other thing that I would mention is this, um, that, you know, in entrepreneurship, you know, for, for years, I would wake up in the middle of the night worried about all kinds of various things. And so I kept thinking, like, I've got to fix this. Like, how do I not worry? Do I need a better team? Do I need better clients? Do I need better? Like, how do I not wake up and worry? And it wasn't until I came to the realization that that is simply a part of the entrepreneurship journey, right? Maybe it's not 100% the case, yes. but you get in a room with entrepreneurs who are being real and being vulnerable, and you will hear over and over again that it's very common for them to wake up in the middle of the night worried about something in their business, in their organization. And again, that's not something that they want to talk about because it doesn't glamorize the business. It makes them seem like their business doesn't run the right way, et cetera, et cetera. But it's the reality. 
Well, it, I, I recently got married back in June and we, we lived apart for a couple of years. And I think that really shielded her from what my life was really like, because not only was I director of marketing at Titan Digital, I had my own marketing company that was on a different scale over to the side. I had a 3D print business. I was doing like all these different things. And we saw each other two or three times a week and I could shut that off for that Saturday night or that day or that whatever. And then once we got married and she moved in and realized I'm up at three o'clock in the morning writing scripts, I'm at, I'm going into the office earlier and earlier every day to make sure I'm home with my family at night. Uh, it, it never stops. It literally never stops. Now we at Titan Media Works, we, we've grown to accrue at this point about seven people, but you're right. I'm responsible for everything they do or don't do. So that's a double-edged sword of, man, we, we've got crew now, we're hiring people, we got a booker, we got this, we got that. But then they mess up. They're human. I love every one of them, but they're human and they have shortcomings and they have falls and 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 we've got to get this branched out. So it's, it, I, I remember when I started this uh, podcast, two or three of my first episodes was about work-life balance. I've literally came to the conclusion that doesn't exist for an entrepreneur, that you have to just go, this is my life. At 10 o'clock at night, if a server goes down and my websites go down, I have to get up and fix it. If if my employee calls in, I've got to do double duty. If if uh, at night, if I got hosts that want to record at night, I have to drag gas into the studio because they're they're coast to coast. So their five o'clock is my seven o'clock or vice versa. So we have to keep moving. So it never ends. So there is no work life balance. But that freedom, like you said, that freedom of and that freedom to are more valuable to me than that time. And if you're the type of person that feels that way, then entrepreneurship is for you. And that's what you yeah, should do. hundred percent. I, I think, again, that, you know, for, for us as entrepreneurs that, you know, we are on call 24 seven, you know, just like you're saying, I can tell you, like, I'm, I don't do coding. We have coders who do coding. Um, and there's been instances where we've yeah. had websites go down or we've had issues with the website where I've literally stayed up all night with coders, even though I don't know what I'm doing to help answer questions, to help ask questions, mm -hmm. to make sure that we get the problems resolved as quickly as we possibly can. And again, is it my issue? Is it my fault that X, Y, or Z took place on the website? No, but at the end of the day, it is my responsibility to ensure that it's resolved and it's handled and the clients are satisfied with the work that is done. So you're completely right, Ryan. I think that, you know, we do ourselves and we do those around us a disservice by over glamorizing entrepreneurship and business ownership, because mm -hmm. what happens I see is that, you know, we look at the magazines, we hear all these people, you know, these success stories. And so we go into it very, you know, with these blinders on really to the reality of how harsh it's going to be. So we get into it and then it's really difficult. And there's always these demands on us. And so we begin thinking, like, is there something wrong with me? Am I the anomaly here? Am I not cut out to do this thing? And the reality is we are just out of touch with what reality is for entrepreneurs and for business owners. And so that's a huge distinction, I think. Uh, no, and, and as, as we get into our wrap-up here, I, I want to liken... Uh, cause I'd mentioned it, I, your, your business is new marriage. 
it's it's a marriage of time, money, and effort. And and to wrap up what we mean is marriage is wonderful. Marriage is great when you're married to the right person. And the same thing is with your business. If you run your business, there's going to be way more benefits than there are going to be drawbacks. Do they put their cold feet on you? Yes. Do they, when they're sick, are they whiny? Yes. Do they whatever, but you love them. So you deal with those things and your business is the same way. It's the same type of relationship. In no way do I want anybody to take this podcast as a couple of spoiled entrepreneurs griping about the things we have to do because that's not what we're doing. But there is a reality of any situation and relationship you get in with your marriage or or with a business that there is going to be things that you don't like. There's going to be things that that set you back. There's going to be things you have to overcome just as successful marriages make it because they overcome and they persevere and they do the thing, then then same way in entrepreneurship, same thing in, in owning your own business, growing your own business, flourishing your own business. There's a whole subset of things that that are going to get in your way, that are going to make you want to topple, that are going to make you want to give up, that are going to make you want to do those things. And you just have to figure out how to pivot. You have to figure out how to overcome and you have to figure out how to do better every time one of these challenges come up. So so that that's kind of what I want everybody to understand about this. In no way are we just whining about owning our own businesses and being entrepreneurs, but there definitely is... Uh, there definitely is that. So what closing statements do you have for our audience? Yeah, on what this I would subject? say is, you know, the, the phrase is simply this consistency creates miracles. Consistency creates miracles. So in any entrepreneurial endeavor, in any personal endeavor, marriage, whatever the thing may be, the more we can learn to be consistent in those little disciplines, those little fundamental foundational things, the more successful we will be. And oftentimes I think, you know, to kind of, you know, tie all this back together. Um, we look at the big picture. We look at, you know, the rapid growth, the success, the accolades, all these things. And yes, all of those things are possible and can happen, but they don't happen because of just, um, you know, a swift swoop of luck or something like that. They happen because of these little daily disciplines, these little things that we do consistently day in and day out that over time, create miracles in our lives and in our businesses. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much for taking your time coming out on the show, uh, talking about a tough subject because we all like to be positive and, and in sales and in marketing, it's the front facing glamour, but every now and then we need to peel that back. So ugly mug marketing, tell us all of the details. How do we get a hold of you? Uh, how, how do we keep finding your content and, and if, if we want to go into business sure, with you, absolutely. how do we do that? Two places. Um, number one would be our website. That's just uglymugmarketing.com. All of our social media, all of our, you know, contact info, email, phone numbers, all that is all in one spot. List of the services that we do provide is there. Um, the other place would be my Instagram, my personal Instagram, which is at fire yourself. And on that, I share a little bit more of kind of the behind the scenes. I share more about leadership. I share more about culture, you know, more about, you know, I've got four kids. How, how am I raising, attempting to raise kids who go out into the world and be productive members of society? So that's the other place you can find me. 
Absolutely. And once again, this is Small Business Chronicles, part of the Small Business Delivered Network. This show is a product of Titan Media Works, uh, is produced and owned by it. And uh, if you want to have your own podcast, you can reach out to me at ryan at titandigital.com. That's what we do here at Titan Media Works. We make your content stand out. Uh, We've decided to niche down in that one piece of marketing, uh, video and visual content, podcasts, webinars, stuff like that. That's what we produce and that's what we do. I, I think it's good to specialize in that so if you've ever wanted to have a podcast and it seems a little overbearing of having to do the uh do all the editing the booking the guests the graphics the the upkeep of it you're like man i want to do that but i don't have time that's what we're here for we want to see your creativity we want to see your face and we want to see your product and we're going to help you achieve your goals once again that's titanmediaworks.com you can check out all of our shows on small business delivered thank you so much again